You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place you expect a ghost to like to wander. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome, everybody, to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, Cord. Today with me is the queen of everything, Kiki, and our very special guest, Bam! Hello. How y'all doing? Hey. Doing fabulous. <laughs> Good. I had a bunch of comics and comic books and graphic novels and stuff that, like, when we moved to the house here, I thought I just lost them. It turns out they're at my parents' house. So that's my afternoon plans here is organizing all of that in my bookshelves. Hell. Oh, yes. man, that's always great when you find your shit and you're just like, oh, his mom had it. Oh. <laughs> and I've only held on to the comics that I bought you for an entire year. (laughs) (laughs) Like legit. I just looked up when we last went there to have dinner and I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's the same day I bought those those Hellboy comics. (laughs) I should probably said that stuff. So um, we're going to get into it right away today because there's a little bit to cover here. And that is because we're going to be talking about, see, I feel like technically this is the North, you know, I've kind of strayed away from this area because it's not a state. That's Washington, D.C. And uh, we're going to be talking about ghosts in the White House. Before we break for sponsor, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our Tales of Thern listeners, Tanif, who uh, shared this disgusting abomination on Discord just a little while ago. I'm literally still looking at it. <laughs> it's called the Philly, the Philly cheesesteak mm. cake. It looks like, well, it looks like somebody got a thin slice of cheesecake and just took a ladle and scooped some beef <laughs> stew on top. I had a lot of questions because it, it yeah, it, okay. So the, the steak looks decent, right? A little weird, maybe, but decent. There's peppers and onions on it. We're okay. But then the bottom part looks like, you're like, is that actual cheesecake? Right. And then an Oreo cookie bottom, because that's kind of I mean, gross. It sure looks like that. Yeah. And then there's gravy instead of cheese whiz. So it's it's not truly a Philly cheesesteak cake anyway. That's why I'm saying it looks like beef stew, because it's like dripping with brown yeah. schmutz. And I know that Logan said that he would eat it. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Uh, and I was like, I'm, I wouldn't recommend it if that's a real like, thing. I'm a food explorer. So if this is in front of me, I'm probably going to take a bite. Oh, no. Come I'm on. going into, but if I go into this, I'm expecting this to be like foul. Like, <laughs> I feel like I need to to experience it because I am a food explorer, but I don't think I would enjoy this in any way. <laughs> These are two things that I deeply enjoy, mm-hmm. but not together. See, <laughs> At yeah, the same, like, not at the yeah. same time. I'm be the outlier here. I cheesecake is my least favorite dessert of all time, and it abs- it absolutely comes down to the texture. Stop the recording. Like literally, I, maybe like once here. a year, I'll try a slice of cheesecake <laughs> and be like, "Yeah." It's the same with coffee. I'll try it once a year and be like, "Yeah, this is my cheesecake year. I'm entering my cheesecake era," you know. And then, <laughs> and then like. <laughs> I eat it. I, I take a bite, and it sends a shiver up my spine, like the the freaking texture of it. And I'm like, no, 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 never again. And then the next year, I get a wild hair at my ass, and like, you know, I just give the rest to my wife and stuff. So I, I would be intrigued to try this because I do like Philly cheesesteak. I think this would be a way to make it more more acceptable to me. My question is, would you have it hot or cold? Because I wouldn't like cold Philly cheesesteak. Uh, you know? Okay. Yeah. The- you say Philly cheesesteak. Are you talking about like, you know, a traditional, like you got the right bun, you got the actual shaved oh my, beef, you oh got the God. onion, and you got go. the cheese whiz, you got the peppers. These like, freaking cheesesteak snobs over here from Philadelphia. Just saying. If you're gonna if you're gonna call it a Philly cheesesteak, then it has to be made a very specific <laughs> way. If it's just a cheesesteak, that's different. Dude, I am I am down as hell okay. for a Philly cheesesteak. Any day, any time. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Okay. You name it. All right. If only I still ate red meat. 
you know, they make those chicken steaks. <laughs> yeah. The way you feel about cheesecake is the way I feel about pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie, too. Every Thanksgiving, I go, maybe I'm not going to hate the pumpkin pie this year. And I get a small slice, and I take the very tip of it, it with my fork, and I put it in my mouth, and I go, nope, still no. Not not happening. Okay, so I get hold on. I'm on the sense of pumpkin pie. Yeah. As a chef, I need to know, what is it about the texture of the heavy cheesecake, or... Is it homemade? Is it from a box? Talk to me. At the school that I work at, every year the kids will do like a fundraiser. Like the band kids do the fundraiser where you buy the cheesecake and it helps them get a new tuba or something. So my, my wife, she loves cheesecake. I always get one A because it's like, hey, have a cheesecake. I love you, you know? And then the other thing with it is like, I'm, I'm the biggest sucker for those kind of things. I can't say no to a kid who's like asking me to buy things it's just not i just can't you know and so it's always like all right i'll limit myself to the first kid that asks you know and so like usually when when it gets busted out and you know we'll put it in the freezer and stuff when it gets busted out that's when i'll try a piece and it's like one of like the school cheesecakes right so big difference between mass-produced cheesecake and a good home homemade like new york style cheesecake a hundred percent agree yeah, there's a. You need to have it, a professional chef make one for you. <clears throat> gotta send it in the mail with those Hellboy comics. <laughs> yeah, not only I have to come there, so I might as well just fly. At this point, I'll just fly to Iowa with the comic books, stay at your house for a day just to make you a cheesesteak. We got and go room, back to my hotel. You know. There we go. Yeah, that's yeah. a. That's that's the day. That's oh yeah, or that's the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> along with a live recording see i'm down as hell to like kiki's actually in the same state what i really love so far is that you said we're gonna jump right into it and then we have a conversation yep. about hellboy and cheesecake i'm gonna put this real material i need real material for number 19 i got nothing okay so this is fine i'm gonna use this all right I'll just wrap it up by saying, so thank you, Tanith, for sharing that, whatever that was. <laughs> it was great. Cursed imagery. Hope I didn't offend with my like little emoji of me throwing up. But <laughs> Offend. That was probably the goal. All right. So we're going to break for sponsor. And when we get back, we will be talking about Ghosts of the White House. Hey, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Who are the most open-minded president? So the most open-minded presidents, I feel like the last few Democratic presidents, like their platform is generally more open-minded um, just by nature of being on that side of the aisle, you know? <laughs> Um, I'm going to say Ulysses S. Grant. Pretty open-minded. That's a great answer, but incorrect. The most open-minded presidents <laughs> are Abraham Lincoln, oh. James Garfield, <laughs> William McKinley, and John F. Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> here, I'm over here uh, thinking of it like an actual history thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say because Grant Grant is like some consider him like the first civil rights president, you know. <laughs> it's like just setting up. Oh, shit. oh that's funny because we're gonna get into Ulysses S. Grant for just a hot second. Hey, did you guys know that only one U.S. president in history so far has been born in Missouri? It's true, man. God. <laughs> 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 jc is gonna be really happy he missed this one today yeah he is you know the trouble with practical jokes is that every once in a while they get elected yeah now there's a joke about presidents <laughs> attributed to will rogers so quote <laughs> quoting i like that one what do martin sheen and donald trump have in common <laughs> they're both fake presidents they both played a president on television yeah <laughs> <laughs> I get, I'll be here all day <laughs> well at least for the next hour <laughs> I got this banger from John Adams he says in my many years I've come to the conclusion that one useless man is a shame two is a law firm and three or more is a congress 
Yes. What a guy. He's another one. I have a lot of sympathy yeah. for John Adams. And it's not just because Paul Giamatti nailed it in the, the HBO thing. I, f- I think he's just one of those guys that gets a bad reputation more often than not. Why aren't there many Civil War jokes? Why? Because people generally don't find them funny. <laughs> I'll show myself out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to dog on you for for making for making puns. Puns are, I want to say, 80 percent of my, my my day in the classroom. All right. So um, I was I was doing this research and I came across some other research that was recently done as in like last year. So I had to dig and find out actually who did this. And it turns out it's a a place called spiritshack.co.uk. Okay, so this is Great Britain we're talking about. They sell a lot of paranormal stuff and like t-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But they apparently did like an independent study. They took about just under 1,000 Brits and they asked them the question, of whether or not they believed in ghosts, etc. And but but there was kind of a twist in there about how it was like the same amount of people had less belief in their own government than they did in the paranormal, which I thought was fitting because I think as Americans we may at this very moment have the same problem. <laughs> We're like, ah, ah, yeah, no. I, I would say a hundred percent we have the same problem. Yeah. yeah, we trust the government less than we trust our own eyes when it comes to paranormal. Totally. I think we trust the government less than we trust, like, other world governments at this point. (laughs) Three in four Britons believe in the paranormal or supernatural phenomenon of some kind. And 50% of Britons believe in ghosts. Hell yeah. I think last time I looked, and obviously, like, you know, those numbers are very easily manipulatable, but I think the numbers were similar for America. It was like 70% or something like that close to three out of four it's it's up there it's interesting because the thing that they like more than like 56 percent believe in deja vu out of body experiences is 40 astrology is 23 percent of the of this you know roughly 1000 astrology clairvoyance was at 19 percent esp at 18 percent magic at 12 percent least likely as mind readers only eight percent see i feel like Britain would have more people believing in magic just because that's where um, Mr. Crowley was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in Royal Leamington Spa in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I thought he had a shack up near Loch Ness. (laughs) So I picked up the Aleister Crowley manual, Thelemic Magic for Modern Times by Marco Visconti. And I reading anything about Crowley's magic is difficult this is definitely the, a great book if you're into it and you need i don't want to say the dumbed down version but definitely more readable and understandable and um and marco does a really good job of going chapter by chapter and like telling you like where to start with your uh, magic and then moving forward so marco's awesome uh you can follow him on threads i think he still has a twitter account i know we left and i basically said goodbye to him i was like i'll see you over on threads bro uh he also has an instagram account too so he's he's pretty active on those two platforms if you don't want twitter anyway just thought i'd mention it since i just bought the book not that long ago so back to hauntings <laughs> we're all over the place again today <laughs> we, we can't train of, the train of thoughts all over the place so um american ghost stories have featured forests like sleepy hollow and battlefields like gettysburg and graveyards like so many tales that we've covered especially local legends but there's always one place that seems to be haunted above all others and that is the quintessential haunted house so today we thought it'd be fun to cover america's house the white house and we'll also have an adjacent tale from cord that should involve a president how many presidents do you think died in the White House? I'm curious if you guys have a number. In the White House? Or like they were dying and were taken to the White House? They, they just died in the White House. I'm going to say, man, uh, I'm going to say nine. Lucky number. Yeah. I'm going to say nine. Interesting. What do you think, Cord? I don't think it's anywhere near that high. I think it's like two. I don't know. I, I know very little about presidents because can't trust him as far as I can throw him. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the other episode, the other, other, other episode. 
Okay, so you guys are like kind of it's kind of weird. There only two presidents died in the White House. So I was right. But ten people total. So Ben was Damn. almost at the number of total Damn. people who've passed. Away. Wait, so ten total people have died at the White House. Of those, two of them are presidents? Okay. Okay, yeah. Yes, that makes sir. sense. Was one of them William Henry Harrison? He is the first person and the first president to die in the White House. That's like a little bit of presidential trivia. He's only president for like 28 days. Or 30, was it 31? 31. I was say, yeah, he was just a big dumbass about it, he basically. <laughs> Damn. He was just a big dumbass about well, it. Well, that, that's interesting. So um, the the like factual stuff is he is the first person, the first president to die in the White House. He's our ninth president, in case people were wondering. He... That was only 31 days as president, and his death day is April 4th, 1831. So, Ben, what do you know about why he died? Get this. So here's how I understand it. First off, so kind of a neat connection. Um, you guys know Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. So, so you, I can't wait. This is going to be You know, I'm not familiar. <laughs> so he's the president of China, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right <laughs> essentially when william henry harrison is running for president he's got his vice president pick john tyler that's like they're with him and their their presidential slogan was you know tippecanoe and tyler too because harrison was a veteran of the battle of tippecanoe and it was tippecanoe and tyler too and so there's a winnie the pooh movie called winnie the pooh and tigger too and i feel like it's too close to be a coincidence. Like someone working at the studio was like a fan of William Henry Harrison's presidential campaign and was like, yeah, we need to work this in here. See if anyone gets it. And no one did. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it just, it, you know, the cadence is there, you know, and it's like too close to be too it close is. to be a, a, a coincidence. So yeah. So we, be, so he becomes president. He's sworn in. And if I remember right, like the day that he's sworn in, there's like freezing rain and it's like barely anyone shows up for his inauguration and he's all pissed off about it. And so like his cabinet and, you know, John Tyler is like, you can just do this tomorrow. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, like it is freezing out here. And he's like, I'm the president and the president gives a speech on March 4th and March 4th is the inauguration day. And I'm not going to be the first president in American history to not give my speech on inauguration day. And so he gives his inauguration speech two and a half hours long, ends up getting like pneumonia and dies like 31 days later. Jesus. Seriously, dude. (laughs) And then freaking John (laughs) Tyler takes over for him like a month after the boss became president, you know, Jiminy crickets. That was the prevailing theory for a long, long time until recently. Medical experts of today went back and looked at his medical reports and things that he said about how he was feeling and came to the conclusion that it was actually tainted water supply in Washington, D.C. that led to not only his death, but the death of Zachary Taylor, who I'm going to get into in a moment, and also had affected two other people in the White House as well. So I'm going to go down the list, though, in chronological order. So it turns out that maybe, just maybe, Harrison didn't die because of that speech that he gave for like two and a half hours out in the freezing cold. Interesting. Yeah, that's super neat. Yeah, that was what that was what I was told. And that's that's what I've always read is like, yeah, he's like a cautionary tale of stubbornness, you know. And he still shouldn't have done it. That, that's fair. Regardless, no, yeah, you're that, like, that was, was probably a bad move either way. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it probably didn't help. <laughs> right. Right. It could have just exacerbated a situation that he already got himself into by drinking tainted water. Uh, the second person to die is actually uh, First Lady Letitia Tyler on September the 10th, 1842. Wife of 10th President John Tyler, like you just said. Letitia is also the first first lady to pass away in the White House. Now, she had suffered a stroke three years prior to. And so she's just passing away of complications due to that stroke from before. Her daughter winds up taking over a lot of the daily to-do lists while her mom is just not doing too well. To her credit, Letitia Tyler did absolutely try to run the White House as first lady, even though she was very, very sick. So good on her. And then next in line is the 12th president, Zachary Taylor, like I just mentioned. He passes away on July 9th, 1850. Again, thought he died of just kind of gastrointestinal issues. Do you know the story behind Zachary Taylor's death? I I don't. So I'm not sure about his death. I know that he was like one of President Polk's 
biggest haters. Yeah. Yeah. It was James K. Polk was the president before him. And he thought that Polk was such an asshole that he was like, oh, I could run the country better than him. And then like ran for president and won being like a like a war hero of the Mexican-American War. And then Polk, you know, he had declining health as well at the time. But he just yeah, he just fucking hated the guy is what I read, at least. So Zachary, supposedly the old story was that he died of consuming a large amount of raw cherries and iced milk during a hot 4th of July celebration in Washington, D.C. Okay, yeah, that rings a bell. Explain. Well, I'm not going to get into the cherries and the iced milk because he, again, is part of the modern analysis that suggests that he more likely died from the tainted water supply in Washington. Ah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, what? (laughs) And... While James Polk didn't die in the White House, his sickness and eventual death are also attributed to the same unsanitary water conditions. So they both bit it because of tainted water supply. Man. And they're not the last ones. Someone should probably fix that. <laughs> it takes a while. It takes a while because then we have, and that was, um, that was 1850, right, Zachary? And 1862... On February 20th, we have poor Willie Lincoln, the third child of Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln. He dies of typhoid fever, becoming yet another possible victim of Washington's unsanitary water supply. He was only 11 years old when he passed away, and he died in the Prince of Wales room, which has since been turned into the president's dining room. Then you get Frederick Dent. Now, he is the father of Julia Grant. Ulysses S. Grant's wife. Grant's father-in-law? Yes. So he dies on December 16th, 1873. Few of the in-laws who ever move into the White House. There's a couple. But he's also a total piece of shit. He is a slave owner. He is pro-slavery, anti-abolition. Something I didn't know. I knew about Ulysses and how he, his position on slavery and abolitionism sort of changed a bit over time like he was never like pro-slavery but then he becomes super anti-slavery his quotes about going to war are very much like i'm not quoting it i'm just kind of obviously i'm not quoting it because i'm going to say like he's basically like if the south is going to be a bunch of dicks about this then fuck them we're going to go to war over slavery then that's fine if this is the way you want to act i don't care we're going to go do this thing his wife though julia she owned like three or four slaves while they were married if i'm not mistaken which is kind of like off-putting. So yeah, Frederick Dent, asshole. He dies. Rip. Yeah, good riddance. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's also, there's a whole, we could do a whole session on just Ulysses S. Grant's position on slavery because it's, it teeters back and forth a bit. And apparently he did own a slave at one point, like one person who supposedly was given to him by Frederick Dent himself. After Grant was like fired from the military for drunkenness, he went back home. Yeah, like his father-in-law was like, here, have a slave. And Grant's like, this is weird. And and apparently like freed him after a little bit. <laughs> was like just really not cool with it. I did look mm. it up. He freed him right before the Civil War began. He'd already made up his mind because he, so he and Julia had owned property adjacent to Frederick. They had a farm and he didn't do very well at farming. Julia and him wind up moving into Frederick Dent's house with him and his wife. And he's helping out on the farm. And the whole time, you know, Dent's got all these slaves. And Ulysses is out there in the fields working with the slaves. Because <laughs> he's like, this is bullshit. Like, why aren't you doing this yourself? This is hard labor. Like, you know, you don't beat people into submission and make them do things. You have to, like, lead by example, basically. Be a reasonable human being. You they mean? also, yes. <laughs> right. And, of course, Dent and his wife even sort of poke a little bit of fun at him, saying that he's not a true slave owner. He doesn't understand how this works. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Damn, me. if, if like, only I could figure uh, out how to be a true slave owner. Wow. What an aspiration to have. They literally say, like, in a, in things that i read i was it's god people she's like he's too kind to them he's he's too kind he's too nice to them he needs to beat them more like literally right yeah you know i so i I got a copy of his his uh, first volume of of his autobiography summer of last year and was reading through it and that absolutely tracks with grant like he's he's probably the president of like not one of the big name presidents that we have like lincoln and 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 uh, Washington and stuff, but Grant's one of like the lesser 
like lesser known, lesser studied ones that I have a big soft spot for just as a human being. Cause yeah, that fits Grant to a T. He's got like this very, you know, like drinking and stuff, but he's got this very strong, like internal moral compass of like, this is absolutely right. And this is absolutely wrong. In the autobiography, when he was a kid, he uh, was just like kind of eye eyed and stuff. I'm like, ah, every day is the best day ever, you know? And so his dad, Jesse, like he, he was talking to his dad cause he wanted to buy this horse it's being sold for 25 bucks, like the next town over or whatever. Grant's like eight or 10. Little Grant, you know, Jesse is like, look, this horse is not worth $25. Like, yeah, like I'll give you 25 bucks right over. Offer him 15. If he doesn't take the 15, then offer him 20. If he doesn't take the 20, then you can offer him the 25. But like, we'll try and haggle a bit first. And he says, do you understand? And little Grant is like, sure thing, dad. And so he rides over, comes back later that day with the horse. And the dad is like, well, how'd it go? And Grant, you know, gets off of his new his new horse and stuff. The guy said, oh, $25. And I said, well, my dad, Jesse, told me that I have to offer you 15 and then 20 and then 25. <laughs> his dad just face palms, <laughs> you know. Close. You were so close. The next slide is something to the effect of uh, it doesn't take a Connecticut scholar to figure out how much we paid for the horse. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a dude, though. Yeah. Nice. Great. He's, he's one of my faves. Sorry. Uh, side tangent. I could talk all day about Ulysses S. Grant. All right, so after the asshole Frederick Dent, um, <laughs> we have Alicia Hunt Allen, who was the minister of the Kingdom of Hawaii to the U.S., and he died on January 1st, 1883. He was a congressman from Maine who had connections to the Kingdom of Hawaii and served as a diplomat to Hawaii for 30 years. Unfortunately, he died of a massive heart attack while attending a diplomatic reception at the White House hosted by President Chester A. Arthur. And yes, that happened on New Year's Day, 1883. Next up is Caroline Harrison. She's the first lady and wife of 23rd President Benjamin Harrison. She passed away on October 25th, 1892. She'd contracted tuberculosis in 1891 and died in the White House obviously the following year. I know that there was the thing back in the day where like there was a myriad of diseases that they just kind of called them all tuberculosis. Like, is that like, like legit, real deal, legit tuberculosis? Or do you suppose she had something else? That's a good question. It did not come up in anything that I saw, unlike the other, like the presidents and, and like even Polk, where they explained that it probably wasn't this like, you know, distress. It was, it was probably literally like drinking bad water. Her diagnosis just comes up as tuberculosis. Okay. At this time, I should say, or at least what I've read so far. Okay. Next up is Ellen Wilson, first lady and wife of the 28th president, Woodrow Wilson. She passed away on August the 6th, 1914. So she's got an interesting story. She tripped and fell in her bedroom at the White House, and her injuries weren't fatal at all. But while she's being examined, her physician finds out that she has Bright's disease, which it attacks the kidneys. And they wind up keeping this diagnosis away from the president for months. And he is eventually informed wow. just two days before she died that she had Bright's That's disease. That's terrible. So it was going to be fatal eventually. Ouch. And it was pretty far along when it's discovered. So if she hadn't tripped and fell and didn't, you know, at, well, at that point, you know, there was a need for the doctor to come in and really look at her does it say why they kept it from him like did they just not want to like upset him was it like what what year was that remind me it's 1914 okay so like they're gearing up like world war one is pretty much gearing yeah. up does it say what that's what i felt too was like he was probably had enough on his plate at the time and they just didn't want to upset him with this because that was there's nothing that really could have been done for her at that time so it was kind of like when's the best time to tell him and it took months because there was never really a good time to tell him so i literally waited until you know she was on her deathbed to be like sorry babe i didn't know what to do but um i've been dying for a few months so man that, that's something like i could chalk that up to be like i get it but it still sucks you know right right it was you know her just trying i think honestly her and the physician just trying to you know, not him have to worry about one more thing. And then we have a really long span of time between deaths. The next one doesn't happen until December the 5th, 1950. And that is Charles G. Ross. And he was the White House press secretary under Harry Truman. He dies of a coronary occlusion right at his desk in the White House. Just boom, dead. Now, coincidentally, 
the very last person to die in the White House dies on the exact same day as Ross, but just two years later in 1952. And that is the mother of First Lady Bess Truman, who was Margaret Wallace. She's a character. She did not like Harry Truman marrying her daughter so much that even after he becomes the 33rd president, she still refers to him as Mr. Truman and openly criticizes his presidency until she dies at the age of 90 and she dies in the White House. (laughs) I'm like, can you imagine? Dude. You think this guy's such a piece of shit that shouldn't marry your daughter. You hate him so much. You're... He's the president and it's still not good enough. And you fucking die in the White House, still calling him Mr. Truman because you just, I think that's, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just wondering what her expectations were, you know, like imagine know, like, man. like your, your daughter marries the freaking president and being like, uh, eh, she could do better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is she expecting? You know, but here's the thing. He still had a tremendous amount of respect for her. And wouldn't say anything bad about her, even after she passed. There was some kind of quote about how he said that he doesn't laugh at mother-in-law jokes. He didn't find them funny. Hmm. And that he called her a grand old lady. So that's like his line then. Okay, like, like as far as like what's funny versus not funny, like the li- like he draws the line at mother-in-law jokes. That's interesting. <laughs> right. But yeah, especially because that era, you know, a lot of it seems to me that a lot of comedy from like 40s, 50s, 60s was just like, oh, my my shitty wife, you know, like like those kinds of jokes, you know, humor, humor. Yeah, huh? that is interesting. It was just passed down like one generation. <laughs> he just stuck with it. Who the hell is haunting the White House, though? Because a lot more people than on that list. That's the interesting thing. Any uh, any guesses? Probably, probably you probably know the big one. So, but without saying the big one, do you guys know of any offhand any stories before I get into it? I think the biggest ghost is the integrity of our nation's government is haunting that place. <laughs> it's democracy. Dem- democracy is haunting it because it's dead, almost. I'm gonna say, as far as who's haunting the White House, I feel like. Yeah, I don't even know. I feel like William Henry Harrison's a good contender. I could see him being in there being like, I did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Maybe Andrew Jackson. That guy is just stubborn as shit. I feel like wherever he, maybe not the White House, but like wherever his ghost has taken up residence, he is haunting it. I mean, I think that's kind of the definition of when a ghost takes up residence, isn't it? I mean, I, I could see him being like an asshole about it, though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I bet his his ghost would be like a straight up douche. I yeah. said the reading lamp stays on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. These are these are good points. All right. So I'm gonna start with the first one, which uh, apparently still is pretty active even today. White House staff will say that they can still smell wet clothing, freshly laundered wet clothing, and often the smell of lavender soap. And this is Abigail Adams. Oh. She's had sightings too, and it's often hanging up clothes as if she's just laundered clothes and she's hanging them up like inside the White House because I guess that was the thing that she did. <laughs> so the mother of John Quincy Adams haunts the White House. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, also the wife of John Adams, but you know, that is insane to me. Yeah, that is not who I, who I would have guessed in a million years. Me neither. I was actually kind of surprised at that one. That's one of the oldest ones as far as a pretty consistent odor <laughs> from a ghost. I love those ones that, that come with their own scent. It doesn't happen very often. We've talked about that in a previous episode where every once in a while you come across a ghost who, who brings a very distinct scent with them over something that they did. Most of the time it's like tobacco or something like that or a perfume. And here we have lavender laundry soap. So pretty cool. On the topic of Abigail Adams with that, like with, you know, her scent being there, people seeing her hanging clothes and stuff. How does that interplay with the fact that it's not the original White House? Because the White House that the Adams has lived in burned down in the War of 1812 and then they, they built a new one, you know? So like, does does it mention like in your like research and stuff, does it mention anything about that? Like, like, is she just sticking around because no one told her, like, hey, this isn't your White House, ma'am. And then she's like, okay, and like fades into the ether. 
That's a good question. They It says they moved to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue from the former U.S. Capitol in Philadelphia. Between 1797 to 1801, they lived in that, in this White House, 16, 1600 Pennsylvania okay. Avenue. Yeah, so it must be then, because 1814 was when the White House was burnt down, and it was like the, the British marching up, you know, during um, you know Monroe's presidency and stuff. And it's like, yeah, so it must just be a like where they rebuilt it on the same property and she's not necessarily like haunting the white house, but haunting the property. I could, I feel like, I don't know. She's just going around like, like hanging up clothes. Like this looks quite different than when I was here. Yeah. So mostly the interior was burned. Key portions of the wooden structure were then reused after that fire. So it, it's basically using the footprint of the original. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. Although it could be that since something changed, she might have been in her mind, you know, like, well, when she was there, she would have been hanging the clothes outside. But perhaps now something has been built over that area. Damn it, Ben. Now I have to fucking like, I didn't even think about, I did not even take that into consideration that it was gutted at one point by fire. But it's it's still like the original, looks like the original footprint. Yeah. With some additions. Hmm. I think that's where you're getting the scent inside rather than her being outside. Cause I'm like, why would she be hanging clothes inside? I didn't question that though. Cause I was kind of like, yeah, it's a different time. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just best to hang it inside. Maybe it was winter time. And she was like, I'm going to hang them inside. So they dry Fair. faster. I don't know. You know, like by the, by the fire. Yeah. I'm not from the 1800s. I don't know what the I hell mean, they did. When it was cold out, when we were younger, we used to hang our freaking clothes inside. Yeah, we'd use the dryer during the winter time because otherwise uh, it would just turn into a sheet of ice. (laughs) My parents owned a dryer, but we literally did not use it for the first 16 years of my life. So, All right. So she turned out to be kind of a conundrum. (laughs) The first one out of of the gate. I hope the rest of them aren't that bad, Ben. Jesus. Uh Killing me. Killing me, Ben. (laughs) All right. It's all right. History professor. Suck. Um, Anyway. Okay, so you were right. Andrew Jackson ah, is next nice. on the list. Um, so this is funny. A lot of people will know that Mary Todd Lincoln held seances in what was called the Red Room. And she supposedly contacted a very angry Andrew Jackson, who then stomped across the room while he cursed. He also supposedly haunts the Rose Room or what's called the Queen's Bedroom, where he can be found lying in his bed. He said to let out a guttural laugh. That can be heard in the White House, and that's since the 1860s. Apparently, he's been there for a while. Oh, deesh. I mean, the the whole like, like him just being a nut inside the White House totally tracks with him too. I, I, was, I read. I don't even. I don't even know when. <laughs> years ago, I I read that he had, you know because back like when he was president, like exotic pets were the rage. He had this parrot, and they had mm-hmm. like at his funeral, they had to put it outside because it kept cussing. Ah, <laughs> uh, the classic. I learned it from you, okay? <laughs> if I had a parrot, it would just say fuck like all the time. I think that's one of the reasons I definitely will never have one. See, if I ever had a parrot, it would just recite dad jokes, probably. <laughs> like... Right? One of my best friends has a parrot. He has a he has a gray, and he says that his parrot will fuck with the other animals in the house. Like, you go to the cats and stuff and be like, want food? Are you hungry? And they'll be like, yeah. Or he'll be like, want to go out? Wow. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His parrot's just like a big asshole. Yeah. So, next up, we have poor little Willie Lincoln. Aww. Since the 1870s, there's been some sightings of him with Ulysses S. Grant being the first person to say that he saw the ghost of Willie in the White House. Then we have Thomas Jefferson. Supposedly, Thomas Jefferson plays violin in the Yellow Oval Room. Dolly Madison. I did a whole report on her when I was a kid. I, I don't know why I was enthralled with Dolly Madison. I just loved her to death. She is often seen looking out over the Rose Garden. Like someone will say they see her in a window looking at the Rose Garden. Which, of course, you know, was not there. So the Rose Garden wasn't established until 1913 by wife of Woodrow Wilson. But Ellen Louise Axon Wilson. And then in uh, 35, Franklin Delano Roosevelt commissioned uh, someone to redesign it. And he installed the cast iron furniture pieces. 
and then I think then it was revamped again by the Kennedys. Huh. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's an interesting uh, story because it's almost like it wouldn't have been there when Dolly was there, but now she looks at it like that's really cool. I don't know. Yeah, she was the one, too. Like when the White House burnt down, she was the one that saved like a bunch of stuff, like when the Redcoats were like minutes away. I remember reading one time that there's this like portrait of George Washington that she really wanted to like save, but the frame that was nailed to the wall. And so she essentially took like a knife and like cut the picture out of the frame and then rolled it up and tossed it in the wagon. I want to say too, like she's why we have the original copy of like, or one of the originals of like the declaration of independence, uh, bill of rights, like the constitution was just cause that was stuff that she like grabbed on the way out. So the British wouldn't get it. I might be mistaken there. Oh, you are correct. That's one of the reasons why I did a report on her. Oh, hell yeah. Interesting. Good job. Yeah, she is uh, credited with saving the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Uh, she hid it inside a suitcase and then fled to Virginia. <laughs> and yes, she also saved the portrait of George Washington. What a cool lady. She'd be one, like, you ever have that, like, where you're just kind of alone with your thoughts, trying to keep, like, the intrusive thoughts at bay? And it's like, who, like, who, who is the star-studded cast of American history that you'd want to have, like, a dinner party with just to pick their brain? I feel like Dolly Madison, for me, is, like, number five on the list. Yeah, she, um, most people will say, like, before the term first lady really came into effect, she was kind of, like, the first first lady. She helped define what the duties were of a first lady and would often be in charge of then receiving people and also helped out in that function when uh, Thomas Jefferson lost his wife. Yeah, she's kind of credited with the whole concept of the First Lady and what we know today. Also, she's originally from Guilford County, North Carolina. So that's where I lived for 20 years (laughs) in North Carolina. She was born right where I was at. So it was like kind of weird that as a child, I'm writing a whole paper on her and then I went to live where she's from. So, yeah. On the topic of Jefferson, too, with with like him losing his wife and her kind of like helping him through it, it, it is odd to me that Jefferson would haunt the White House when he's got that sick ass library. Like, if I get to live beyond death, <laughs> right? like you better believe, like sixteen hours a day, I'm huddled up in a burrito, like just reading. Well, you know, he only hangs out. He only plays violin in in the yellow oval room, so it's not like he's haunting the whole place. So maybe he just kind of like. He gets tired of reading and then he goes to play a violin and then comes back. Goes back <laughs> yeah, like, like every so often he's got to like stretch his legs. He's like, I guess I'll go play violin yeah. for, a fi- for a little bit. Yeah, my little ghost <laughs> legs need a break. <laughs> go back to John Tyler. He apparently haunts the Blue Room where he proposed to Julia Gardner, his second wife. William Henry Harrison. This is kind of funny because. He apparently hangs out in the attic and likes to move furniture around a lot. <laughs> he's just fucking renovating. <laughs> yeah. That's how he spends the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, why is this here? This chair should be over here. Wait, why is this even in the attic? Why am I even in the attic? I don't understand. <laughs> There's David Burns, who owned the land on which the White House now stands. Some people have thought they've heard or seen him in, again, the yellow oval room. That just seems to be like, you know, the the place to be. Everybody wants to hang out there. And before we get to the big one, uh, we've got two unnamed ghosts. So one is an unnamed British soldier who perished during the War of 1812. And he still roams the grounds around the White House holding a torch. Oh. And then a really creepy one to me, because... It's it, specifically, this is not Willie. This is a unidentified 15-year-old child who Taft's, during Taft's presidency in uh, 1911, it, he shows up and people called him The Thing. Ooh. There was a major Archibald Butt. Uh, I know that if JC was here, he definitely wouldn't make fun of the name <laughs> Butt. It's spelled B-U-T-T, Butt. It's great. Oh, uh, there's not even an E at the end? Nope. <laughs> it's just uh... Butt. It's dude. For sure got bullied in high school. Go on. <laughs> oh, damn it. I mean, Archibald, but. <laughs> that dude sounds like he really stinks. Yeah, he's like screwed from the start, <laughs> you know? Poor guy. 
At least is a major. He made it to major. Major butt. Uh, major <laughs> butt. <laughs> okay. Uh, J- JC would be going off right now about major butt. <laughs> he wrote a letter to a, a sister named Clara and says, quote, the ghost, it seems, is a young boy about 14 or 15 years old. They say that the first knowledge one has of the presence of the thing is a slight pressure on the shoulder as if someone were leaning over your shoulder to see what you might be doing, end quote. President Taft um, ordered Major Butt <laughs> to tell the White House staff that the first member to repeat stories about the thing would be fired. Ooh. So he's just sick of, sick of hearing about this nosy 15-year-old ghost? I guess so, but you know, t- I it's for some reason Taft. I don't know if it's because of his la- his name and like the stuffy pictures I always see of this guy. I'm like that guy's a dick. Oh, dude. For sure, he would be haunting a KFC. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't it? I don't know. I again don't really know that much about Taft as a president but he just comes off as a dick yeah I really only just know about a special reinforced chair <laughs> okay this sums it up distinguished jurist effective administrator but poor politician there you go mm. there's yeah okay yeah when you're when you're that with a stick up your ass that you're gonna fire people for telling a ghost story you can get fucked sir yeah legit even just calling this kid ghost the thing it's like they can't call him like junior yeah like they can't just come up oh that's bonky over there he just likes the people on what you're doing (laughs) that's bobby that's bobby over there (laughs) (laughs) you did it ben that's true it's going for a whole charge of the light brigade type situation yeah i know what you were going for Ah, anyway okay the last one the big guy the one that everybody always talks about the one that's been seen the most by the most famous people and that's abraham lincoln no shit get out of town lincoln freaking abraham lincoln haunts the white house these are the people who claim to have absolutely had an encounter with abraham lincoln grace coolidge lady bird johnson jackie kennedy Winston Churchill and Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands. They have wow. all claimed and that they've had an encounter with Abraham Lincoln. Eleanor Roosevelt also, she didn't see him. She said that she felt a presence in her office, which just happened to be the Lincoln bedroom. So she attributed this presence that she always felt was peering over her shoulder while she was working as Abraham Lincoln. Franklin Roosevelt's valet also once ran screaming out of the White House, claiming that he saw Lincoln's ghost. Hmm. I think that might actually be an appropriate response to that. If you're not looking for see, I poke fun at people who specifically go to look for ghosts and then run away screaming because I'm kind of like, aren't you there for that? Yeah, like this is what you're asking (laughs) for, dude. Right. (laughs) But the poor valet who's just trying to do his fucking job and he's like, fuck, it's goddamn Lincoln. <laughs> no, he is totally allowed to run away screaming. Okay. Okay. So hear me out. Hear me out. So I feel like, because Lincoln, like, what I've read about Lincoln is that he had kind of a weird sense of humor. I could see Lincoln being like the kind of guy that, like, when it comes to Princess Wilhelmina, Lady Bird Johnson, Mrs. Coolidge, like him being like very sweet and homey and like, oh, yes, you know, like, uh, I am a ghost. Woo. You know, 13th Amendment. And like when it comes to this, like poor little sucker valet, like he would change his aspect to be like head blown open just to like screw with him, you know? (laughs) Right. Like I could totally see Lincoln doing that as a ghost. And then laughing hysterically in the afternoon. Right. You know, like, like everyone always pictures Lincoln as like this grandfather of the nation with the deep voice and all this wisdom and, and everything that I've ever seen or read about him paints him as more of like the sassy, clever uncle that like, he's got more going on in his noggin than anyone gives him credit for. I'll close up a little bit here with other presidents, recent, more recent presidents who've had the same sorts of experiences. So Ronald Reagan uh, had like basically a ghostly experience. This was during a state dinner in 1986. He said that his dog Rex started barking frantically 
quote, at the entrance of the Lincoln bedroom. And then when he opened the door, the dog would not go inside the room. President Reagan himself kind of really started to take that a little bit serious. Like, oh, okay, maybe this place is haunted by Lincoln. His daughter and son-in-law then reported to him that they had actually seen the apparition on more than one occasion. So there's another group of people, a little bit more contemporary. I mean, Lincoln's pretty hard to mistake if you're right. seeing an apparition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Jenna Bush then also, while she was a teenager, she said that her and her uh, sister Barbara woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of a phone ringing. And then they started to hear 1920s style piano music playing from the fireplace inside their bedroom. It's a little weird. And then lastly, it would be Michelle and Barack, who said that they had many unexplained occurrences in the eight years they lived at the White House. Strange sounds in the hallways in the middle of the night, things that they would get up and, you know, investigate and uh, nothing would be there. Nobody would be there, which is interesting because I believe it was, I think it was Truman who said the same thing that he heard a knock on the door. He went to go answer the door and nobody was there. And he found Secret Service and asked them, like, what, what's going on? And they're like, what do you mean? And they're like, somebody just knocked on my door. And they're like, that's not possible. We're the only people in the hallway. Nobody was at your door. Mm. We're patrolling the hallway. Nobody's here. So that's interesting that that same sort of, like, hearing things in the hallway while you're sleeping is going on all the way from, like, you know, the 50s into the 2000s <laughs> in the way. I'm like, I love that place. That's really interesting. Now, this one we have to investigate separately. This might be a totally different thing, but and for for like a, a fun little side episode about all the pets that have been in the White House, because Michelle says that sometimes family members would feel like they were having something chewing at their feet, but kind of like in a playful way, like it was a, a pet when like their pet wasn't there, you know, like in the middle of the night. It reminds me a lot of like my cat when he was a kitten, he would do the same thing. He would like deliberately attack my feet <laughs> and mess with my feet. Are the pets of the White House haunting the White House too? Who knows? Maybe. Or it's just infested with rats again because that wouldn't be the first time uh, it happened. Uh, <laughs> rats oh, picking man. out the toe jam. <laughs> so that's what I have for the White House. And now you have a story... An adjacent story. So it it turns out that our boy A.B. Lincoln may be haunting more than just the White House. So I stumbled upon this story while we were researching our last episode, which we just did Lake Erie. There was a, a snippet of a story while I was in that region about a ghost train, and it was the ghost train of abraham lincoln's funeral train this was a story that came up in lake erie and i wondered why on earth would that be in that area because the train went from washington dc to springfield illinois which does not go through lake erie if you're straight shot but it was not a straight shot this train goes from washington dc up to albany new york over to Buffalo, and then all the way down, like, the shore of Lake Erie is the path that this train took. Supposedly, all along this path, and this path goes through most major cities along that direction, there are sightings of the funeral train. Allegedly, people see it on the days that it passes through that town specifically. So. If you're going to see the train and you live in New York City, you would see the train passing through on April 24th to April 25th would be your time to see the train. And people have seen the train in New York. People have seen the train in Albany and a bunch of people seen the train going along the coast of Lake Erie. I just thought it was super interesting. I should I should, oh. I was considering doing that as my story for last episode but it actually works out that we're doing it for this episode yeah the the train left washington dc in mid-april in 1865 right that's yeah, when he yep. it goes to harrisburg from dc goes up to harrisburg philly up to albany and then on its way to springfield 
And for those who are interested, there is a replica of the funeral train car in Lancaster, which is not far from us. There are some accounts even that when you see this ghost train, the funeral car itself will have ghosts of the soldier guards in blue uniforms and everything on this train as it's going past. People even recounted seeing like a skeleton crew on the train. But Mm -hmm. I I think that would be super interesting. Go out in April up to the lake and you just see this woo woo. Just what the hell? This weird steam engine go past? <laughs> Just what the hell is this? <laughs> Dude, I love me a good ghost train, though. It's like, like Hey Arnold, yeah. when they had the ghost train think... episode. Those were like the best ones, yeah. you know? Like the spooky episodes in Hey Arnold oh are easily God. the best ones. Dude, I loved Hey Arnold so goddamn much. Stinky Peterson was my favorite. <laughs> Stinky Peterson, him and his lemon pudding. But yeah, I just wanted to mention this train since we were talking about Abe Lincoln. Uh, apparently he doesn't just haunt the White House. He haunts an entire railroad system between Washington, D.C. and Springfield, <laughs> Illinois. So, <laughs> oh, That's awesome. All right. There you go, guys. Something a little fun. Something a little different. One house, multiple hauntings. <laughs> yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I just I could go on and on like with history stuff like all day. You know, this is super neat. Well, you know, you're always welcome to come on whenever you want. So I'm like, here's I mean, the list of things. We also have some pretty legitimate proof to that statement because we've been recording for like two and a half two hours. hours. Holy smokes. <laughs> two hours later. That's why I was like, you don't have to do anything, right? Because this is going to take a minute. Here's what we're doing today, though. We, we got some great uh, we got some great music. But the thing is, it's a very very short song okay uh i'm gonna let you guys listen to it after we kind of you know wrap up here but i'm gonna tell you what the name of it is and if you want to listen great it's by animal wolf and they are from millersville pennsylvania uh i think the song is only like a minute and something long (laughs) but it was it's perfect for this episode because it's called fuck those supreme court bitches so if you feel like I do and you want to fuck those Supreme Court bitches, <laughs> please continue to listen until the end. Uh, it's, it's really funny. It was performed live and uh, it's available on Bandcamp and I bought it because <laughs> I got to support my locals. Is that like your version of like a sensitive material warning or <laughs> no, it's just so saving short. it till the end. Oh, it, okay. it literally is so short that like I can't really break it up without playing the whole song so i figured i figured since technically i just said fuck like four million times in this episode so i don't know uh i apologize i you know i figure if you want to listen to that i'll leave it for the end of this episode because it's so short anywho so if you want to join the squad you can head over to patreon.com we have levels at three dollar one dollar three dollar five dollar one dollar gets you our undying gratitude a shout out on the podcast uh, and um, Boober Reel material, and also the archived episodes of our states and outside things that we've done, like out like countries material that we're slowly getting out. But we're also redoing those. That's for the three dollar level, so we're redoing them, and that's with Cord this time because he hadn't joined us yet. E. And then um, three dollars also gets you access to the stat block and the creature card for the D and D part where it's cord versus cryptid and it also gives you access to other things like uh we've had cords sword that he uses is available for download and the uh you mean the sword of lola maria (laughs) no we renamed it (laughs) (laughs) it's called corporal punishment now yeah corporal punishment and major butt (laughs) yeah (laughs) fantastic (laughs) the dream team if you don't have those two NPCs somewhere in the next, I swear to God, that, that would be just perfect. I will <laughs> oh, die. <it's> now. <laughs> I, you'll lose me. You'll lose me as a character. Like, I'll just die on the floor here while I'm trying to play. But so I'll be like, holy shit, he did the thing. Uh, those are, those are going to be the two, uh, like, uh, 90s style bad guy goons that are right. <laughs> 
the big bad boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, before you enter the boss room, you have to defeat Major Button Corporal Punishment. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, we have the the beads that Cord has on him that he got from Lola Maria. Or the, well, Abuelita. And uh, I'm working, Ben, I'm working on the spaghetti as a fun little extra uh, yes. <laughs> the, just yeah. the spaghetti the spaghetti in quotes if you know you know the spaghetti <laughs> yeah and then at the five girl level currently uh we've just been kind of trying to get together once a month with those people on discord but i got good feedback on an idea that i had which was creating coloring pages that you can download i have a couple of people who are like yeah that's freaking awesome like i love doing coloring pages it's very relaxing so i'm designing ones around cryptids and spooky shit and i've got like a halloween that those will probably start in october because i've got like a whole halloween set for you guys so and we're not on twitter anymore so don't try to look for us that's over what's twitter right it's not even called that anymore so whatever you mean x <laughs> <laughs> look i'm gen x and i don't even want it to be called that okay so x. dumb so stupid x. don't give it to you brother oh god we're on threads though and instagram mostly and facebook is there it's just whatever and the website is up and there and i've been redoing all of my notes and slowly putting all of my notes for every episode on there so yeah it's only like 107 i have to do no big deal Jeez. yeah yeah probably should have been doing that like the whole time but you know <laughs> <laughs> oops i mean it's all written out i just have to shore it up a little bit ben we are th this is kind of funny because it worked out this weekend i'm gonna say this and then if whatever i think it's fine but i, I was just gonna say wait you and i are gonna talk again on sunday because we get to do session zero season four for the new season four baby dude same here it's gonna be great grab your kleenex folks can't wait to voice the main <laughs> wait bad wait guy. wait Indeed. grab your kleenex for season four wait what no Ooh. oh come on man that could go that could go one of a few ways the end of season three was was bad <laughs> enough i mean Shit, bro. He's saying he's just going to get real sexy with it. Horny bard, Ebenezer Splooge. Grab your Kleenex. Okay, okay that's, that's better. Because I thought you said this is going to be a fun oh, it'll, time. It'll be fun for me. <laughs> for us, I bet. Like, I, we weren't going to die and stuff this time, Ben. I can see what kind of DM you are, Ben. It's it's coming out. The true the true DM is Weedle's mustache evilly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um now I'm scared for season four, Ben. <laughs> I, I went from happy to terrified. I'm I'm super excited to uh you know be the, the main bad guy, you know, because that's totally a thing that's gonna happen. I'm gonna come in and voice the main Hell bad yeah. guy. Yeah. He's just gonna be an old man who made an accident. <laughs> I'm sorry, fellas. I didn't want to do this. This underwear was white when I bought Turns it. Turns into lich. <laughs> Not that kind of accident. <laughs> wow. So besides that, do you have anything else in the works? Ben? I know yes, you're writing. I have. A I've set a deadline for myself because with my anxiety. Addled brain. Hold up. Apparently you set a deadline for us too, Ben. <laughs> I can't function without deadlines. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so I have a whole bunch of stuff written and a whole bunch of stuff. I'm, you know, in the process of writing and editing and stuff. Yeah. So my, my plan is that I want to have this book ready on Amazon. Uh, I'm going to self-publish through Amazon, have it ready in time for Halloween. Cause that's, you know, like a collection of short horror stories. Like Halloween is the right time to have something like that come out. I mean, it's not the middle of July, like Disney seems to think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. So if you want to stay tuned a little bit longer and listen to Animal Wolf with their beautiful song called Fuck Those Supreme Court Bitches, please feel free to continue listening. Like I said, you can also find them on Bandcamp and Instagram. And as always, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us via a seance on Lincoln's funeral train.
Supreme Court bitches. Fuck. No Supreme Court bitches. Fuck. No Supreme Court bitches. Amy Cody Barrett, bitch. Alito, he's a bitch. Kavanaugh, stupid bitch. Clint, he's a bitch. Said fuck. No Supreme Court bitches. 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 Thank you. That's all I got.